Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Super excited. Um, before we jump in, we'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. They are sturdy. They will not break down. <laughs> they don't pop break down. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. Right now, we've got a quarterly membership going on, which I think is awesome. I think it rocks. Um, we've got everything you need um, inside of our roadmap. You know, the, uh, T-Hoops did a roadmap because you're always in one of four seasons, right? You're either in preseason, you're either in postseason, um, you're either in the season or you're in the off season. One of those four seasons you're always in. And we set up a roadmap and a checklist to make it easier for you. So come over, join us at teachhoops.com. Let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, I'm not even going to try to guess which episode this will be. Coach, I'm going to have you, Coach, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Um, kind of tell the listeners or the people that are watching this kind of your basketball journey, uh, where you started and kind of where we got to the to the point. So I'll turn it over to you. It's not really early morning, but I'll turn it over to you. I'll take my coffee out and we'll listen and then we'll dive into talking about building a program. Sure. Well, my name is Heath Neal. I'm the head girls coach at Pea Ridge High School in Pea Ridge, Arkansas. It's just, we call it the the Walmart North. We're just about five miles outside of Walmart headquarters. And so. Okay. Uh, so, so, okay. So this is what I said. We always, I always have a pre-interview. We just talked for five minutes probably. Before. Yeah. So, how, how big is the headquarters of Walmart? Uh, currently, it's huge. They're building a whole brand new home office, and so which is really going to be closer to us, right? So, what are we talking? Like, are we talking like five thousand people? Are we talking like how oh, many? Mi- I mean, how, how much is it? Does it take up a small city? It's got to be huge. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, if you look at Northwest Arkansas, you got kind of like we call it the Quad City. You got Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, Benville. Yep. They bring out real close to each other. That's where the University of Arkansas is. Yep. And then um, Rogers and Benville are real close to each other. And Benville, okay. 
Bentonville has been the growth of Northwest Arkansas completely because of Walmart, okay. the Walmart family. And so, I mean, you can imagine we have international live here to come all the way to Northwest Arkansas. Oh, it's gotta be crazy. It's, like the Arkansas too. I mean, that's it, crazy. Since yeah. I was a kid, since I was a kid, I mean, we, we've seen this thing just explode. Um, you, what I saw when I was five, six, seven years old is not what it is today. Right. And, and now, you know, I'm 35 now. And so they're, they're building this brand new um, home office. That's, no telling how okay so talk, talk about getting off trail but we're gonna get off trail for a second <laughs> so two couple things about walmart first of all like we have epic which is um one of the largest um uh companies it's an it's a company that basically does your um your health records they're the largest ones mm -hmm. and they built in a suburb of madison and it's like oh my god it's it takes over it's a billion dollar company when one of those comes in it takes over it's crazy <laughs> um so how has that affected sports that's why that's why i'm saying i'm gonna get off trail a little bit oh. how that had to have brought people into the community all all around northwest arkansas I yeah mean, just not just in our school district to put it in relevancy for our school district like bentonville where bentonville high school is and i my one of my mentors was a head coach there for a long time and he actually coached his name is jason mcmahon he actually coached um malik monk who plays for the charlotte hornets right now and, yep and so um played at kentucky for john calipari and um Anyways, at that size school is a, a 7A classification, which is the highest classification we have in Arkansas. Okay. P. Ridge 10 years ago was a uh, 3A classification. So give me numbers. 7A is like a couple thousand? Uh, 7A, uh, 7A, like class size, like school size? School size. Their high, their high school is probably a couple thousand, just okay. their high school. Okay. And so like our high school back 10 years ago was probably about 400. Okay. And so now if, if you look by the AAA standards of Arkansas, well, they're at 7A. And just in 10 years, we've gone from 3A and we're entering into 5A classification next Whoa. year. And so it's, oh. that's the impact of Walmart. For yeah. Sure. I mean, the growing, I mean, the, the, how do the, the schools must be bursting. It's, it's, I mean, we're building a high school currently. Uh, we're excited because we're, we got a brand new arena coming with that. So our basketball staff's fired up and our community's fired up because the things also we've been doing, but right. um, that's, that's what comes with growth. Um, and that's the thing is like right now, Bentonville and, and some suburb cities outside of Bentonville towns um, don't have the property that we do. So that's where they're all coming. Right. Um, so, so there's always growing pains too. We can talk about that in a second. So go, we'll, we'll get back on trail. So keep talking about your journey here a little bit. So, sure. so where yeah. I'm there in my fifth year as the head girls coach. So this is my fifth year. I spent three years as the head junior high boys coach under our boys coach currently, and his name's Trent Lloyd. Um, learned a lot from him. Um, my journey to basically where I'm at, there's a lot of people and, and uh, obviously mentors that I had along the way to get to where I'm at. One's my father. Um, my father now is a superintendent, fixing to retire in school business, was a longtime coach for 18 years in our state. Um, and so I grew up in the gym. Um, <laughs> sounds, like my, sounds like my son. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like my son. A, I think a, he... a gym rat, a coach's kid. Um, I got to watch. You know, I wasn't the one that just sit there and played in the gym. I sit on the end of the bench and watch my dad and and uh, watch good coaches around my dad. Right. And um, fast forward, um, my dad, my sophomore year, takes his first administrative job, and um, so he got out of coaching. And then I learned how to. Um, 
I guess look upon other coaches other than who I was playing, uh, who I was playing for. Right. And so I, I got to learn from some other coaches that I played for, whether that be AAU or, or high school. Um, and then after college or after high school, I went to college for a year, really struggled um, academically. I was, I felt like I was mature enough socially, but um, not so much academically end up joining the service. So that's, that's interesting. So do you think if you'd have taken a year off, that would have helped? No, I don't think I'd have made it through. Okay. I don't think just knowing myself, I don't think I would be here today without my military background. Um, okay. And uh, I think my attention to detail and stuff like that, that I use in, in here and in, in my everyday job, I've got to test that to what I learned in the service. Spent five years in the Navy, traveled all the way around the world. Um, and I was 19 to got out when I was 24. So what were you, what were you on an aircraft carrier? Were you on? I was, I was my first three years. I was on an aircraft carrier called the USS Kitty Hawk. It was stationed out of Yakuska, Japan. So I lived in Japan. I know for the Kitty years. Hawk. I've seen and, the uh, Kitty Hawk. That's yeah, it was, huge, it was the oldest at the time. It was the oldest carrier in the Navy. And yeah. um, we decommissioned it. So we retired it. And then my last, this is, this is where everybody, I blow everybody's mind is my last two years in the service. I actually took a job. It was an army billet, but I actually took a job and I worked out in Guantanamo Bay. And so I did hands-on detention operations with detainees that we had captured back from, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, all in, in our conflict. So, okay. So a couple of things, first of all, living on an aircraft carrier right now is like, I, I'm guessing they're just not letting them come home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at living at 5,000, um, 5,000 people when you're underway and then, uh, right. it's the size of three football fields. So. Right. The only, the only issue is if you let them out, like if they just stay in the aircraft carrier, no one's going to get COVID like you know, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to get it if they don't leave. Yeah. Um, that's true. So, uh, so okay so guantanamo were you did you have to stay you always you couldn't leave the base did you leave the base well the base uh the base is huge it's like 56 square miles Ooh, um, so that's big you got both sides of the bay um if you look at the map you got two sides you got windward side and leeward side um the the detention camp was on one side now you had to have um specific clearances to get to the detention camp but you also had the regular base side um so it was like a, a 10, 15 minute drive to work to where the base was or to the camps were. were so our family's there. living there then? Oh, there's a high school down there. Yeah, there's a high there's a military high school down there. Um, I mean, there's, so there's, there's, there's schools for military. Okay. Um, and so, and they, they're doing, I mean, we've had the base, I think, you know, I think it's a cool story if you ever did research on Cuba or military base. Yeah. We've had that since the 1800s. And I think the, the story behind that is we actually leased it from the, the, um, Cuban government for like $1,200 a year back in the 1800s. And so after Fidel Castro took over and we stopped relationships after the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, Fidel stopped cashing checks every year. So since the 60s, that base has technically been free. They hadn't paid for anything on and having that property because Fidel, back in the day, cut ties with right. the government. So, so, so um, the weather's really nice. Humid. Humid. humid it's like very, miami it's kind of like a desert a little bit down there so as well very humid um it is nice i mean it's it's like you know your caribbean style i mean the so, water so yeah that's, that's that's what i think cuba's hope is that um it becomes a tourist it eventually becomes a tourist attraction it was in the 50s and 40s 
Yeah, when I was there, we still didn't have those. We still had travel restrictions there. Yeah. Um, but I could easily see how they could allow. Like, we never – you weren't ever allowed to go into Cuban territory. Right. Um, you know, we would joke when we go fishing in the Guantanamo River, you'd come up to a bridge about three or four miles up the river, and it'd be like, if you go past this bridge, you're going to jail. Right. And so, you know, like the government, the Cuban government's going to take you over, and you're probably in big trouble. So, um but it, it was huge. I mean, it was just there was so much to for for military people to do on base and um, outside of what we probably do in the states. But right uh, as part of the job. So yeah. So I think yeah. Eventually, I think that I think tourism could be the solution to 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 to, to Cuba at some point. Um, okay. So then you came back from there, and then came what? back from there. Went to the University of Arkansas. Um, got lucky enough to work on the uh, student athletic training side uh for bobby petrino's staff at arkansas when we we're back when football was relevant at the yeah. university of arkansas okay touche um, touche yeah. yeah. we uh we had some fall off since the motorcycle accident but uh, yeah there's that i'm telling you i don't think there's going to be fall football yeah uh, who knows i don't i i don't i mean i don't know how much like camp randall where the badgers play wisconsin plays holds 75 80 000 people you can't put eighty thousand people in a stadium no, like I don't know. It's there's going to be it's it, it's to be seen, I guess they're going to figure out a, some type of way to sell tickets too because yeah, it's and that's the thing is like this is all money driven. This is decisions will be made because of the dollar bill, so. the dollar bill. That's true. Yeah. So, okay, so you came back and then you were in Arkansas. Yeah, I was at Arkansas. Football was, football was fo we've, we've we've come to the conclusion football is better than okay, no, not necessarily. I mean, I've always been a basketball guy. Now, I played as an athlete, a student athlete, I played multiple sports. Right. But I've always and I think, you know, I think if you talk to a lot of coaches, I've learned a lot from football coaches and I use a lot from football coaches in our in practice, you know, time and score um, periods. There's a lot of things that we because they're hurting cats. That's what oh, I tell people. Yeah. Football coaches herd cats because it's like you put 70 guys out there, you are sure. organized, you're in trouble. Like, and that's yeah. a whole nother conversation because I can tell you how I align my staff, you know, my how they got position coaches in football and they, right. I mean, we do a lot of things and that correlate with how football coaches run practice and stuff. But anyways, so I learned a lot from there. And then uh, my last year I interned for Jason McMahon at Bentonville, Jason's first head job as a junior high coach, like right out of got right out of college. I was his first class as a freshman. And so we okay. built that relationship player coach relationship and I always had a tremendous respect for him. And then I had the opportunity to come back when he made it big. He won two state title or won a state title and then got a runner up in Arkansas at the school in which I played for him at as he moved up and to be a head coach. And then um, uh, got a huge opportunity to go work for Bentonville High School, which was a, a classification above where he was at currently. Takes over that program. It was just a subpar program at the time and elevates it into, you know, what it is today. And, um, and so, and then had players like Malik and, and some other players like Nick Smith who played at Belmont. I mean, some good, good players. Good players. Through. Yeah. Good players come through. And, and so, um, got the opportunity to work for him. And then eight miles up the road, we were looking after I graduated college, you know, we we're looking for jobs. And what'd you grade? What was your major in college? I, I, I majored in K-12 Kines. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I had a minor in history, um, just in case I had to teach history. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, there's, uh, yeah. Uh, there's kind of a demand for history teachers. I don't yeah. know. 
Uh, if, you, if you don't do anything else, you, you limit yourself on, on certifications. And oh yeah. You can't, you can't you definitely can't do that. Yeah. yeah. But so P Ridge job came open for a junior high job and uh, had the opportunity to transition just eight miles North and um, worked for a guy who's his, it was his first year as head coach in Trent Lloyd and his dad has been a 35 year head coach in Arkansas, well-respected in the same classification that Bentonville was in. Um, and so I got to work for him and we became best friends. Um, phenomenal X's and O's guys. One of the best, one of the best X's and O's guys I've ever seen at a young age. I mean, he took over a job at 27 um, and to what he is today in eight years of being a head coach is, uh, is impressive. I think um, you could have another segment just on X's and O's and set plays with him. He's really good, but I learned a lot from him. Although I, you know, we all have. Our and where's he, where's he located? He's, he's our head boys coach here at P Ridge. Okay. I'm going to write it down. I'm always looking for, okay, go keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So, um, so I spent three years under him, had some, had a lot of success. We had a lot of really good teams during that three years in junior high. And then the team that I started out with in junior high, by the time when they were seniors, went to the state finals, um, got, got beat out by, um, Arkansas Baptist was really good. I had a kid that went to Kansas um, and then has a kid, has a seven foot three kid that's at, at uh, Arkansas right now currently. And, and so had a really good team that year. And then um, had some, uh, had some turnover in the girls program and the girls program at the time, I think was in a period of um, needed a spark, needed a new sense of energy, um, was struggling, I would say. And so Sometimes it just needs a new face. It's nothing against the old coach. Sometimes. No, absolutely not. The old coach is a legend here um, yeah. and, yeah. and had been an AD and does a phenomenal job. I learned a lot from him just in the three years that I was. My dad coached against him. I watched him when I was a young kid. I played against him um, and, and, and so, so much well-respected from the kids as well. But, um, you know, when we took over, that was always a challenge too. It's like, hey, how do you get buy-in? Because I'm already in district. Right. And, and creating this new culture and new environment and how to do things differently. It's not that he was doing things or I was doing things better than one another. It's just a different way of learning. And, um, you know, we wanted to make it popular because everything at the time after my first three was all about the boys program. Everything at the time was the boys are really successful and the girls weren't at the right. time. And, and we wanted to be relevant. We wanted to be, we wanted to be co and, and, but we had to work hard to get there and we had to do the right things all the time to get there. We couldn't just hope it happened. And so we had to do a lot of teaching and how to get them there. And we had a plan. We had a vision that was kind and of, I think that, I think that's perfect. I think that's a perfect lead into what we're going to talk about with you and your program. So why don't you share the screen? That's a perfect lead. Sure. And that's a difficult thing for, for young coaches. First of all, I've been coaching for 30 years too. And, I, and I'll just keep talking as you're getting stuff ready here. But, um, it's hard to know when to walk out the door because I don't want to kick. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get kicked out the door. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, there's a fine line between when to leave and when not to leave. I, it's it's one of those questions I always ask myself. But um, yeah. go ahead, coach. So go ahead. You're going to talk about building a program, and then yeah. I'll just jump in so and, and say some we, stuff here. When we took over, we had to have a vision and a plan, and what our identity was going to be, and we had to create buy-in within the kids and. Um, one of the things that we felt like was important is um, all the things that we're going to go over here. And, and I wanted to put in a set in a, in a slideshow in which, um, you know, what we did as a staff, I, I got lucky. I got to hire, um, I got to hire one my first year 
he ended up being my um, seventh grade coach. And um, over the la over my second year, I had a coach transition. We moved him up to my main assistant, but we built this, you know, we built a great staff around us. And I think that's huge. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But that's, that's really huge. And it's <laughs> but, also huge for young, for young coaches that are listening is that when you get a job, these are questions you should ask during that interview process. And, and do I get that? Do I get to hire my staff or not hire my staff? I mean, those are some questions to think about when you're, when you're sure. taking a job, you know, but tread lightly on that because, you know, at the time, at the time, I'm a head junior high coach. And so I'm interviewing against guys that have head coaching experience. Right. And so what's going to set me apart from these guys? I know that they've, they've been interviewing me for the last 36 months. They know what I'm capable of. They understand my work ethic. They know um, that I'm possibly an up-and-comer, but I've never done it before where some of these other male or female coaches who have had coaching experience that interviewed against me had. Right, and, so, and I think that's another good point there you made with the young coaches is you are being interviewed every day. Like when you're in a program, you're, I mean, especially if you're trying to take over a program, that's important um, because you're being interviewed every day. Um, you know, that, that you know, well, and, and, the, and you can't get over the hurdle of not having head coaching experience. We've all, you and, we've all been in that boat where you're sitting across the table and it's like, well, I can't get head coaching experience unless someone gives me a chance. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, sure. You know, so I think that's an important thing. Go ahead. Coach. I think that's a whole nother topic too, because yeah. when I interviewed and I knew what, you know, I knew the hurdles that I had and I, I had gone, I had looked at other head jobs um, before and I've been in the running and been in the top three to some other head jobs on the boys side. Um, and, and then when we transitioned over to the girls, um, I had this great opportunity. I was ready to be a head coach. I didn't really care what gender. Um, hey, it's basketball. Basketball's ball. In some <laughs> sense, I could argue that women's are the purest form. <laughs> so, I could too. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think is important that young coaches need to hear is that when you go up against experience, you that's the white elephant in the room. You can't You can't overcome it yourself. So what I try to do is attack it head on. And, and, and during the interview process and, and let that be known. So I tried to, I tried to uh, basically put a, I put a slideshow on. It was funny. I said, you know, I, I defined experience. What is the definition of experience? Right. Well, if you looked at my background and my history, I, I had been growing up through the game my whole life. I right. had, I had led people in the military um, as a work center supervisor and, right. and, and so I had been a leader in different former fashions other than leading teams. And, and technically I was a head junior high coach. So I had led a team before. Um, so, you, so I, yes, you make a negative into a positive. And the sure. thing is, I think um, that you, you have to sell. It's like, it's like um, Washington outsiders. If you're a politician and you want to go to Washington, you basically say, look, I'm just a teacher and I live in Wisconsin and I'm going to bring new, it's, it's the same thing when you're looking like, well, I'm going to be different than the coach that's already done it. I'm going to, you know, 
beer 12 hours a day and blah, blah, blah. you have to you have to make a strength into or weakness into a strength i think is sure. is that twist but yeah I, I love the idea of saying here's what experience is because experience doesn't have to necessarily be standing on that sideline either i love that I, that that's a great golden nugget for and for i took coaches. i took the funny thing is is i took you know i was let's see i was 30 i was 30 at the time and i took um so youth is an issue too because yeah, I remember right. my first one that I got turned down. I know they looked at me and goes, he's too young. I know yep. they did. Yep. And that happens. That yep. happens. Yep. And our head voice coach at the time, when I, when I first got a job under him, he was 27. Right. And, um, and, and he had been two years as he, he basically rolled up the position that he was hiring for. He rolled up from that position. So they moved up a junior high coach into the head coach. So, I knew that they had done it before, um, and right. I think they—I think they hired the best candidate, 100%, no doubt. I mean, I, right. I do think they got got it right with the boys program, but at the at the time, I felt like I've got to—I've got to hit my age, and I've got to hit my experience in interview process. And so I had a a common theme, and I put some of the best coaches in our area or in our state, and I put all of their accolades on there, and then I put at what age they became a head coach. And, you know, most of the time, like Brian Ross at Little Rock Baptist, or Arkansas Baptist was, was 29 when he became a head coach. And he's a three-time state title winner. And then my mentor, he, he, was, he was 28 when he became a head coach. He's a, he's a one t a state title winner, two runner-up. And then I, I referenced our boys coach. And I tried to attack that because every one of those common theme people needed their first opportunity. And that's they all did. I needed. I was late 20s, early 30s, I mean, when I got mine. And it's like – I think I, I actually think that's a perfect window, to be honest with you. Like that late 20s, early 30s is from a hiring standpoint. Because um, I definitely in my, in my 50s do not have the energy I had in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way at 35 some days, but I mean, you, you, you wait, you wait. It definitely <laughs> like, and, I, and I'm like, if anybody ever, I mean, if you saw me, like I have to go for two walks a day right now to get the number of steps I got when I was teaching. So yeah. I, like I have to get like 12, 13,000 steps. I got to go for two walks with my dogs because <laughs> that's how much movement I have. So people aren't saying Collins is like, but I don't feel that. Like I don't feel the energy I had in my thirties. So I think that's gotta be a selling point too, but go ahead coach. Back to the identity. Um, yeah. We, we wanted to build this identity and brand around girls basketball that was equivalent to the success that the boys program had, but also uh, to, to rally um, our community behind because our community rallied around because we were winning. Obviously, winning cures a lot of things in boys. Um, but we wanted to rally the community even more around both programs. And that was like a personal mission for, for me. You know, I felt like, you know, one, we had to earn it. Two, we had to put a product out there that our community would be proud of and, um, and enjoy watching. I think that's important. It's marketing. There's mar it's marketing. Guaranteed, 100%. Yeah. So what we did was for our kids, it started with our core values. And this goes from my staff. This goes all the way down to our, our, our seventh grade program. We actually extend this down for our youth league coaches as well. But our core values are simple. These are anything you have in a value system. This is the military in me, by the way. Is, uh, um, is, is the most important things that we stand on. These are our pillars. Um, and we felt, we felt like truth, trust, being together, everything we do is together, having high, high integrity. And then, you know, we extend those four um, 
to our parents. When we do our parent meeting, we extend those four. So like those four for our parents, when you have parent meetings, those are important. One, they got to, one, they got to know that we're all going to be truthful to each other. You got to trust me. I've got to trust you. You know, we got to be together in this for the, for the kid. And then we all got to have high integrity during this process. And so we're laying the groundwork for not only our players, but our whole, everybody that's involved in our program, whether those are the extended branches. And then a big one for me is we want to be competitive. Um, and so I think through the uh, maturation and the process of, of our four years here at Pea Ridge um, in the girls program, we had to learn how to compete. We had to learn how to freaking love to win and hate to lose. Yeah. And, and, and we had to do that all the time. We would compete not even in sports stuff and we would try to compete in the classroom and we would, we would compete. And when we would have a barbecue or whatever, a team outing and we would compete in, in games and we're trying to drive home this sense of, gosh, I hate losing. I hate losing. It's not fun. we got to find out ways to win. And then we wanted it to be a player's program. And what I mean by that, some coaches probably cringe when they hear that because we're control freaks by nature, but we want it to be, Rather than having, I could draw up any X's and O's, anything to get them in the right places, but they, if they don't have confidence doing it, it's irrelevant. And so we wanted them to have confidence and ownership and buy-in to what we did as a unit. I thought that was important value for us. And the last thing, we want to do it full speed, have high intensity and maximum effort. And that's sitting in that poster right there, sitting there, it's a banner or a not a banner. It's a McCall. No, like it almost looks like a chalkboard kind of thing. It's, it's, it's a me, it's it's ten, but it's a it's a it's a sign. It's, it's a it big is. sign. It's, it's sign. like so and so question. So people listening. So there's seven of them. And again, all this stuff I'll put in the show notes. So people that are listening are driving their cars or working yeah. or doing whatever they're doing when they go listen to a podcast. Um, it's not as big a deal on the YouTube because they can see it. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, how did you come up with the core values? Because people always ask me that. How how do you come up with your pillars or your core values? I think one, it's it's my own personal things of how I live my life. Um, like I said, I, I took some stuff from the military. Like in the military, we have core values, um, you know, and so it's how we we were supposed to act. Um, it goes back to some of the golden rule things. Um, obviously, I stole. I, my mentor used some of these and. And, uh, coaches are great thieves, so it's okay. Well, like no 100%. coach is ever going to get mad if you steal their pillars or their. No one's going to. I don't. You, yeah, you can you can steal every one of my out of bounds plays. I don't care. I mean, I got them from someone else. Like yeah. it's like that's just what it is. It's about sharing. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And it, and it's about what fits you and yeah. what fits your. I mean, if it didn't fit me personally, I wouldn't be putting it down. If I didn't believe in it, you can't you can't put something there that gives false belief because your kids will call you out on that. And I think that's, I think that's extremely important because yeah, you can't BS a BSer. So no. most kids are BSers. So you can't do that. They'll, they, kids are very, their, their meter on reading you is very, very good from someone that's coached a long time. Yep. Um, one of the things I always tell my guys is I will never lie to you. Like I will never lie to you. I will not come in this locker room and tell you the team we're playing is the best team ever. And you all know they're horrible. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be honest, and then I'm going to talk about how we can attack, tackle it after that. Mm -hmm. They respect that. They want honesty. They For don't sure. always, like, um, they, want, they want to know the truth. Uh, it's hard sometimes to hear it, but they want it. Very much so. I mean, they, you do your player meetings and stuff like that, and, and you're, you're truthful with these kids, and they do. They want it. Um, sometimes they don't want it fully, but they want it. 
And um, sometimes they don't appreciate it until five years later. But true. eventually, it, it mo- for most of them, it, it hits. True. So keep keep going. We're, we're, we're building a brand. We're building an identity. We've got to make it popular. Um, we've got to make it where not only that, um, you know, our kids are excited about it, but it, this extends down farther than just my high school program. And so what you see here on the, on the screen is some of the things, this is just a very small uh, clip of what we did, but we got new practice gear. They didn't have practice gear for a long time, maybe four or five years. We got new game gear. We got new practice gear for junior high. We got travel bags. We, you know, we, we wanted our kids to be fired up to come to athletics and basketball at the end of the day. Like, also, so, so, so one of my first things when I got the job is a couple of things. When I got my first job, I went into the ADS and we're buying new uniforms. He goes, we don't need uniform. I go, yeah, we do. It's mm-hmm. like going to work. When you put a tie on, for a guy, mm-hmm. when you put a tie on and a suit on, you feel different than when you're in your T-shirt and your shorts. Yep. I need to make them feel proud of what they are because this program hasn't won. That was the first thing. The second thing is how many kids do you keep on your roster normally? Mm-hmm. How many are kids you asking, do you keep on your roster? Uh, you asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, I don't do cuts in high school. We're not, we haven't had the number where I've had to. Okay. Um, do you, and, do you, the point is, are you getting, do you usually have, because I want to talk about the practice gear, do you normally have two groups, like an a, a black and a red? Or? So we have, we have a, and during practice, I do segregate um, a black-white team. Two, two, uh, two, two groups, not three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, I can, I have the capability to do that. Um, but we usually don't go that deep, no sir. You don't usually go that deep. Okay, so that's why you know some, especially some of the youth coaches won't necessarily have. It's it's nice to have two different colors, just from mm-hmm. a from a. Um, I just found out that there's actually a company that makes three colors. They're called Triversables. Well, which, this is a this is, is a crazy. big thing for this is a big thing that we did because when I transitioned over from male to female, obviously there's a there's not a learning curve, but there's some things that I've got to do differently than I did with male program. And so one of the things that we did when we bought all these practice gear and to have the possibility to go to three groups is I make it mandatory for our kids to wear undershirts under their practice gear. So they have a compression shirt and we'll go a different color in which our practice gear is. So if they go into their compression shirt, it's just a, it's a, it's a barrier for us coaches because we, we're male staff one. And so like, you know, when we flip over to a different color, there's no wasted practice time. We don't have to go in the locker room to do it. Um, we flip over, we have a color there. If I want them in white or black from there, we can go, we can do that. But we have the capability to go three colors just because the undershirt. Yeah. And that's nice. And, and, and that transition too, cause I've been the two, the two kind of themes for podcasts I've been doing for the last like three weeks are building a program and practice planning and they, they're, they're correlated, but the practice planning part is what you're talking about is that transition. That's a hard thing for young coaches. And you just saved an hour over a season probably on that transition from changing colors. If the, yeah. the, the faster you can do that, the more concise you can be in your teaching. So I love that. I love the undershirt thing. I've never thought of that. That's a great idea. And, and it protects it protects male coaches. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. But even for me, I could do that for me. You know, we're green and white. I yeah. could put a black yeah. undershirt. Boom, we're set. There's our three yeah. colors. Let's for go. Sure. Like, you know. Um, yep. and the time we could save. And I'm, you know, again, saving money as well. It's a lot yeah. cheaper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. a lot cheaper. So anyways, this is, this is some, just a, a snippet of what we did for our kids. And that, and you can see on their face, I mean, they're fired up, they're excited. They're, they, 
they're happy to have all that stuff. Um, and, our, and our seventh graders in our, in, our, in our youth league programs, when they come to the games on Tuesdays and Friday nights, they get to see that. And they want to, you know, and that's what, that's what we wanted. We wanted them to go, hey, I want to be a part of that. That's, that stuff looks awesome. I want that. And, yep. and then we get to dive in and go, well, here's how you, here's how you do that. Right. <laughs> and, um, so um, one of the things we do, and these are in our locker rooms, is we, we weigh everything off of pyramids. We, we have pyramids of success. And I'm sure you've seen this, um, different versions of pyramids of success. Yeah, it's, a John, it's a John Wooden thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big, big John Wooden fan when it comes to all this. Um, I'm going to start on the one on the right. Okay. No, I'll start on the one on the left. Obviously, uh, you know, we talk about character, having high, high character, attention to the details. And then um, you follow that into performance, and then that shows results at the peak of the pyramid. And obviously, um, any coach that needs that, I don't mind sending uh, right. a clip of that or a picture of that. And then on the other one, this is the one that, you know, um, for our kids, they, they wanted to put this sign right out in front of our locker room as we exit because they wanted to touch this pyramid before. It was kind of one of those deals that that first group we had took over that, you know, they hit the, they hit the values board before they entered. And so we start with our values and then we go through the confidence that we earn through the preparation and detail in which we do in practice and, and, and before the game even happens, how well we do our job. Uh, that thing is important. Owning, having ownership and, and what your job is that comes from coaches meetings, um, telling our kids what their roles are, how they impact their team, what they do well. Um, and in some sense, what they hinder the team. Um, and so how well you do your job, that's on our pyramid. And then at the end, all of that will take care of itself. The scoreboard will take care of itself if you do everything underneath that. The process. It's about the process, people. Yep. Yep. Next thing we thought about, not necessarily thought about, was next thing was very important to us is be relationship driven. And um, one of the things I'm going to cover here in a minute is, is the 3D coaching. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you've heard of 3D coaching, but um, you know, we want to be three-dimensional. We want to be relationship-driven. We want to have a personal relationship with our kids outside of basketball where your kids know that you love them, you care for them, you're there for them, not only in sports, but you're there for them outside. And so some of these snippets are, you know, this is a Christmas party, and my wife hosts a Christmas party for them and does a – she's excellent with all of our girls, and she's that typical basketball mother for them. And then um, – you know, this is our cookout for our team parent meeting. We always do an end of the summer bash where we, we actually do our parent meeting at the same time, but we also do fun and games and we're competing during the day. And then all the, at the end we swim and, and, and eat. Uh, this is my little, I have a two year old. She's about to be two next month, but this is uh, one of my going to be seniors. Well, you look pretty rested coach. That's not too bad. I mean, <laughs> so I have, uh, a, I have a 15 year old and 18 year old. So those are those, those memories are like, I, I, and it was in the heyday of when we were, Oh my God, it was like a blur, but and I, it's a fun age right now, man. It it's, is. I'm going to tell you. So here, here's, here's the, I, I was able to coach my son, I think 18 and hey everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to support us, go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. Also subscribe and like, we do appreciate those. Have a great day. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.